Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Welcome to Headliners. I am Simon Evans, and they say you should never meet your heroes. Luckily for me, tonight's guests are Diane Spencer and Kerry Mutt. <laughs> I don't write the links. I have to say that every evening. They try and set up some kind of tension, some kind of chill between us. Ouch. Well, it's just, I suppose it creates some sort of terrain, you know, over which we can travel together. Let's take a look at tomorrow's front pages. Uh, we start with the Daily Mail, as ever. Uh, they have air pollution, a likely cause of dementia. I'm not sure we'll be covering that story. I think they are the only ones to consider that um, of some importance. Obviously, it comes off the back of um, the undermining of a good deal of research that's gone on over the last couple of decades on dementia, though. And Rawsome, that is the rampant lionesses, who were misses. The Daily Telegraph, Sunak's screeching U-turn on tax cuts. Uh, keeps her in the lead, probably, over Rishi Sunak. We will be taking a look at that. And also the uh, debate takes alarming turn as viewers are left in the dark due to medical issues. The Guardian have ministers played fast and loose with £777 million in Covid contracts. Well, a vaguely satanic figure there. And there are the lionesses once again celebrating their triumph over the Swedes. Financial Times has a picture of Liz Truss looking anxious as she sees the presenter uh, who has fainted. And world's biggest consumer names announce soaring price increases. Inflation is the background story behind an awful lot of what's happening at the moment. European gas prices surge after Russia acts quickly on threat to choke supply. The Times has Sunak, I will ditch VAT on energy bills. There is Alessia Russo there celebrating a cheeky back heel that flummoxed the Sweden keeper to make it 3-0. Uh, there was still another one to come after that. And doctors set out medical guidelines for trans men giving birth. There is certainly a headline that would have flummoxed readers 20 years ago. The Daily Express, no ifs or buts, police must solve more crimes. That's straight-talking Liz Trust for you. And finally, the Daily Star... I want that one, which is a Little Britain reference. TikTok chances have added to chaos at clogged airports by faking injury to scrounge wheelchairs. We will be taking a look at that latest outrage from the great British public. So those are the uh, front pages. Let's take a look inside. And I think we start with you, Diane. Uh, Wednesday's Telegraph, a somewhat abrupt end to the Tory <coughs> leadership debate tonight. Yes, so this was uh, Sunak versus Truss, take two. Mm -hmm. um, lots of, uh, I was hoping for a little bit more, maybe a dance-off in this one, yeah. maybe some ribbon gymnastics. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would have liked it if it had moved into the more theatrical sort of element. Maybe of... actual duelling. <gasps> with, uh, with wobbly swords. I would know. love that little yeah. bit of fencing. Yeah. Maybe they could play Yahtzee. Yeah. But um, unfortunately, it came to a, a quick end because uh, Kate McCann, the political editor of um, the of uh, Talk TV, she collapsed. 
And yeah. uh, there was a, a great big sound, a bit of a crash, and Liz Truss, bless her, with her uh, robotic hands, went, mm. oh, no, something has happened. I must go rescue her. She did her. look genuinely alarmed, <laughs> She looked very shocked, yeah. and it must have been quite alarming. I think, mm. I mean, apparently she's fine, but it must have been quite horrible. I don't quite yeah. know what, what it was. It was quite a sound, wasn't it? It, sound, it sounded like pots and pans well, and, uh, and things We certainly wish her uh, all the bit. best and a speedy recovery, but is it, was there anything that came out that was of any surprise I, beforehand? I, I didn't see this one, but I, I watched bits of the one yesterday, which was uh, largely not a debate so much as a bicker. Yeah. And uh, it started, everyone was talking about the way it started with uh, um, with both of them, Liz Truss and, and uh, Rishi Sunak, just standing absolutely still for a very long time. Like, like, and it was creepy. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone talked about how creepy it was. But at the same time, it was spectacular because it turns out they're really good at it. They're good at that. They were so good at it that... All over the country, human statues are just giving it up now. They're going, we can't beat this. And, and they stayed so still, it looked like they were cardboard. And then Richie's mouth moved a little bit, almost like somebody, somebody put some coins in his tin, but it wasn't enough for a full body movement. It wasn't movement. that they were unaware that the thing had started and they were just waiting for to get a, a, a cue from the... Do you know what, to be floor. fair, we know what happened, because we know TV enough is that the BBC said, we're going to make this look really good. Yeah, right. Just you have to stand still, we're going to add some music, we're going to add well, sounds, want, be great. I mean, the stage was set by the uh, worst craft work gig ever. <laughs> <laughs> that was in 2015 and that's been the, the, that set the standard ever since. I have to say, I have no idea why they're continuing to have these debates on, on, on mainstream television. It's of no interest to the rest of us. You can scare the public. Papers, but the truth is, none of us have a vote. They should do it yeah. in camera with the the weird old duffers and the you know the old blue rinses and the and the retired brigadiers <laughs> that get, they get us in this matter. Keep us out of it. You know, we would all much rather be watching the football. Speaking of which. Onto the front page of Wednesday's Guardian, and the lionesses roar into the Euro finals. Uh, roar, <laughs> roar, uh, Carey. Well, I'm glad I got this story. I know absolutely nothing about football. I nearly um, so hopefully I will learn <laughs> stuff. I'll, I'll handle it. Uh, England put four past Sweden, and this is how little I know. That's a thing. It's not a, a time of day. Yeah. Uh, four past Sweden. I thought the other day when they got eight past Norway, that was pretty impressive. Four past. Swedes. What time is that? They are to be uh, differentiated from. Turkey. Turnips, yes. Which of course, was growing <laughs> Yeah, back in the day in the nineties. But four past Sweden is great, and they yeah. get through to uh, the Euro final, which will be at Wembley. England are thrashing Sweden, which. Um, I thought being a women's game, we might get away with these male sort of metaphors of violence. And they'd be like, <laughs> patting fiercely or something. What would be soothing their way through? Soothing their way through. <laughs> <laughs> the Lionesses appear to be bro to have broken their semi-final curse, which is also, I think, probably the way the women's game works. Witchcraft, voodoo, oh, it's curses. Very You've got to be careful with yeah. curses. In the, but yes. go on. <laughs> it's very important if yeah. you have, you know, women playing. That's what yes. we do that's different in women's football. Yeah. We Bringing Not cheating. Yes, yes. The hex was put <laughs> The men's game has been totally missing this. Uh, Prince William, president of the Football Association, tweeted support ahead of the match. Uh, he said, good luck to the uh, tonight, Lionesses. The whole country is behind you. And Prince Andrew said, uh, I'm behind uh, every one of you. <laughs> allegedly. And I, I think we all know that allegedly means it did happen. Do you follow this, Diane? Are you, are you um, feeling I like a part of your feminism? Uh, well, it's more part of my uh, love of football. Oh. Uh, yeah, oh. I do enjoy football. I've just been sadly um, a little bit too busy to watch these uh, games, and, uh, and now they've they've got through the semi-final, yeah. which is just so far. I love watching football at this <laughs> level because I used to be a Yeovil Town Football Club supporter. Oh, right. So it all looks pretty good to you. <laughs> it looks amazing. 
amazing. <laughs> I've spent many an hour in Hewish Park, um, which is our stadium. But yeah, I do love football at a national level. And, and there's something just so exciting about wearing your sort of national colours and being in Absolutely. a pub and screaming and it's wonderful. I, I resisted the notion recently that the top scorer, you know, is on a par with Wayne Rooney in a realistic sense, but we'll take it at this point. Mm. You know, a win's a win, a final's a final. You know, apparently we're getting to host Eurovision next year as well. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's all coming We're all on the up and up. <laughs> Uh, Wednesday's Guardian, Brussels and Gas, name a more iconic <laughs> duo, Diane. <laughs> so the EU has agreed a plan to ration gas use over Russian supply fears. Mm. So um, uh, basically Russia's state-controlled energy firm Gazprom yeah. um, has said that there's going to be a steep reduction in gas supplies. And what I think is interesting about this is Gazprom is making themselves out to be some kind of lair used by a Bond villain. I kind of imagine they have their own internal monorail system. All the workers mm -hmm. have got jumpsuits. There's a man with a cat. Minions. Oh, definitely minions. Yeah. And um, Ursula von der Leyen, who is our... Um, She's our Bond girl in this. She put on her hard helmet and she's said... She's pussy galore. She's definitely pussy galore. It's <laughs> <laughs> Ursula von der Leyen. Okay. And she went down and she said, but there's no technical reason for the cut. So they've <laughs> made this sort of uh, agreement. But there's a bit of an issue in the EU. Yeah. So essentially, the member states are disagreeing. Hungary's against it sort of all together. Well, Hungary is always out of this loop, isn't it? Because Hungary mm. don't regard themselves as under any moral obligation to... Uh, to Stick with the rest of the EU. ...to mitigate Russia's uh, business in Ukraine. But the weird thing with this... I, I mean, I may be misunderstanding, but it feels like, as it's very subtly, Putin has turned the tables on the EU here, where it, it was supposed to be... We were supposed to be forcing economic sanctions yes. on Russia. And instead, and, and the Russia ruble, has gone, right, we're going to turn your gas off. And, and, and the, yes. the ruble is the best-performing currency yes. at the moment as well. Yeah. Everything is kind of working out <laughs> how he would have liked it to go. I mean, maybe uh, in the long game. But I was, it reminds me a little bit of the early days of the pandemic where people were going, well, listen, it's a, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. Yes. You go, yeah, even in a marathon, it's best if you don't trip over <laughs> on the first three yards with your lace. Yes. Together, you know. And it's affecting everything. You know, the, the, we, we saw the deals going on with the grain recently as well. The grain yeah. wasn't getting out of Ukraine, affecting the whole world's uh, food supply. And then uh, my housemate, who is called Matt at that point, hearing about the grain stopping and it being Putin's fault, decided that Putin is a serial killer. Oh, now, I'm repeating good. that joke <laughs> only so that people realise what I have to live with. Serial with a C. But the, Thank um... you. <laughs> The, 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 the drift of the story is basically EU is going to spread the pain, right? That's the idea. So yes. there's going to be, like, essentially rationing on across the whole of the EU. So essentially, it's not just the Germans who get... This is what it feels yes. like. Yes. This is the yes. issue because, yeah. like, Spain, Portugal and Greece have been quite critical of the plan because yeah. they're like, yeah, just because... Germany is heavily reliant on the cheap Russian gas. Yeah. Those countries aren't because obviously, you know, tapas doesn't take that long to cook. So they're kind of saying... <laughs> Germany is very good at spreading the pain throughout the EU. I mean, the, you would say the Eurozone yes. is essentially a scheme whereby the pain of having one of the world's strongest currencies is spread evenly mm. among all the economies yes. of the EU, regardless of whether they have the machinery and the industry to, yeah. to, to offset it. You know. But they are very worried because um, of, of their gas, they sort of, uh, in 2021, they imported 142 billion cubic metres of gas and they wow. use 100 cubic um, 
billion cubic meters of gas. And about 32% of that is Russian. Right. And half of that gas goes on heating people's homes. Yeah. Right. So it's going to be a cold winter. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Well, let's hope climate change keeps pace with this. Oh. Independent now. And oh. good news for this Brit before he hit a rock bottom. Okay. This story's got a lot of things going on. So it's a British geologist to yeah. be freed from Iraq, an Iraqi prison, after smuggling convictions squashed. This is according to The Independent. Uh, Britain, 66, had faced 15 years behind bars after collecting 12 stones and shards of broken pottery as souvenirs. We all collect um, a few stones under lockdown. And bits of pottery, we do that. Uh, once he's home, this is family talking, we will celebrate and take some time to recover as a family, which is a nice way to do it, and we'll be happy to tell the story to anyone who, who will listen. Obviously, they don't want to tell the story right now because he's still over there yeah. and they don't want to chance anything. But basically, but it's he also the, a bit of pottery and, he, and they're making and 12 like stones. stolen. Yeah. I mean, when he does tell the story, it's going to sound like it's either a set-up to a joke or a yeah. shaggy dog story with some big disappointment. It's, it's going to start with, well, I picked up a stone <laughs> and I picked up another stone and I had 12 stones and some shards of pottery and people go, oh, this is going to be really hilarious in a moment. It's not going to be <laughs> yeah. a big story. Yeah. Uh, possibly the threat of 16 years in jail or whatever. Well, 15 years in which he would have been the most boring prisoner they'd ever had. But so they won't be telling their stories of murder and bombings and everything else. He'd be yeah. like, well, me, it's just all about stones and shards of pottery. But he did go, he went to a, an archaeological site... Yeah. And he, pick, and he put, picked up some stuff. Yes. Maybe it wasn't very impressive stuff. But Are you saying he deserved 15 years for that? Well, I wouldn't do that myself in Iraq. Was it the pottery you... or the stones, do you think? I'm interested to notice, by the way, that his son-in-law is a Mr Sam Tasker. I wonder if that's his surname <laughs> or whether that's his kind of role in the family. Right, Jim, your job is <laughs> to go to Iraq and steal some prices. I think he's been foolish, I'll be honest with you. I think I'm he's been foolish. Got him out, but I don't think you should go to archaeological sites. And it's not like Iraq is like a sort of grey zone, is it? We're all pretty familiar with the fact that that's, you know, that they have a fairly br brutal pedal system. And he thought he got away with it as well, he's just yeah. going through the airport and they, they went through his luggage and, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've been stopped at airports so many times. And never, I, used to, I used to do an act with lots of potatoes and I got stopped going into Northern Ireland with a whole case full of potatoes and they'd never seen anything like it before, but yeah, I had to explain to them their potatoes aren't big enough. <laughs> wow. For the joke, I used Insult to, to injury. I know. Times now. It looks like Russia yeah. is also pulling out of the International Space Station. Apparently, they're coming up with a plan to reproduce their own. Is that right, Diane? Yes. So they think they're going to make their own orbital uh, space station. And currently, the ISS um, is joint operated by several countries, but the Russians are in charge of the bit that propels it. So the Russians are in charge of the bit yeah. that keeps the damn thing up in space. Right. And they're now saying they're going to pull out of the International Space Station in 2024 right. and they're going to build their own. But my question is, well, OK, so they're going to clearly have a lot of gas left over, so they maybe <laughs> might be able to power <laughs> their rockets that way, but they aren't going to have that many rockets, mainly as they fired them all at Ukraine. So how are they going to get this <laughs> stuff up I don't know if those are the same rockets. I think they might be a different system. They, well, the, I mean, the missiles, the intercontinental ballistic <laughs> missiles and various other missiles, they're all sort of rockets and jet engines. They yeah. just have a, a war load on the top. Um, so There's some um, talk of them... Uh, collaborating with Elon Musk's company, uh, yes. which is SpaceX, of course. Yes. And, uh, um, which would be fairly controversial, I would imagine, wouldn't it? Well, Elon Musk likes to play the great... Um 
No, uh, what, what is it where you're kind of in the middle of everything? You won't take sides with anybody. He always turns up, doesn't he? He's always he there. Suddenly, any, anything going on, yeah, he, suddenly middle. Elon Musk arrives. Because well, maybe he, he will be able to sort of pour oil on these troubled waters. I don't know. But um, it's not, I wouldn't have thought they could turn it around that quickly, though, a year to build a space station. No, I mean, no, no, no. I doubt it's it. Longer than that, isn't it? I mean, they won't want it to just be a replica of the current one. It's 20 years old. They want a newer sort of more. They want one with quieter sliding doors and things. Like <laughs> yeah, when they get switches and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice old Probably, furnishings. Um, contact hub. What do they call them? The uh, with the electric hubs, where you with uh, where Tony gets. Oh up, yeah, 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 yeah. Induction hubs. Yeah, well, yeah. That, that's what want one of those definitely. Very nice. Because I would Wouldn't imagine in a space station you need to have like a bit of magnet under the under the hub as well to stop the. I love the fact that, that, that you think that there's a hob. Now. <laughs> you don't think there's a hob, but is it all just like microwaves? There is a coffee machine. Right. Uh, there is a coffee machine in the International Space Station, but they mainly eat things that are made in cubes and tubes. That's what they call their cubes food. Cubes and tubes. Do they have to go out every week for the cleaners to come in and sort it? It's been 22 years of people <laughs> living there non-stop. And there is also the threat that they abandon it. It, it. How does it come down, right? Oh, no, they're going to bring it down in 2030, and the plan is to crash it. Right. No, To what it? They're going to crash it in the sea. I'll crash it. In the sea. But they can aim yes. it okay, can they? Yes. Yeah, okay. So they're going to purposefully, uh, when they decommission the space station, I mean, I don't know why they're going to crash it into the sea. It's going to be like the world's worst sort of fish tank exhibit. Yeah. They're going to just plummet it into the sea. I mean... Just my luck. I'm bound to be out on a whale watching. <laughs> <laughs> I would have thought they should explode it. Maybe that is where Russia could come in. Just aim the missile at the... Yeah, it's pretty bad luck just to be out on a whale watching. <laughs> it just seems a shame they're going to crash it Yes. Yeah. yes. They should make it a place that school trips could go to. Wednesday's independence. Some men don't like being told what to wear, it seems, Kerry. Pride jerseys, spark player, boycott at Australian rugby league club. They and of were course told... it had to be the one with the most ironic name. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's their name? Have you not known? Man. Oh, the, Manly, I saw, Warringer. Yes, the Manly Warringah Sea yeah. Eagles. Um, are they really called that, or they, was Manly supposed to be capitalised? It's a borough in Sydney, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course it is. Yes, you're right. Yeah. An Australian Rugby League club's historic decision to wear rainbow jerseys. Why is that historic? I mean, wearing a jersey is not that historic, is it? Not like, that wow, historic. No one's ever worn a jersey with a rainbow <laughs> on it in history. This changes everything. We'll never look at jerseys in the same way again. It is remarkably um, easy to make history these days. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so they've been told to wear these jumpers. Uh, some of them have objected to it, um, which is odd in a sense, because I would say that rugby is probably the gayest game ever anyway. Well, so and, and with the most denial. It is. Oh, come on. It, it was well, so invented in public schools that were just for boys who were getting very frustrated. So they went out onto a pitch together rugby. and they had they, they, a load of boys scrummed in close, put their arms around each other's groins, and then they, two of them became hookers or something. I don't know the rules. And then they spent 80 minutes touching each other up. And then they go and have a communal bath and tell each other bawdy jokes to try and carry on the pretense. And Kerry's address will be on the screen at the end of this programme. <laughs> <laughs> big international but, um, okay. Their complaint was there was little consultation or collaboration with the stakeholders. Uh, they were just told about it. Yeah. Uh, to be fair to these guys, they are, I mean, I don't know if they deserve me to be fair to them, but the ones who are refusing to do it, I don't have any strong view on it, but they have, it seems, uh, legitimate cultural and religious... Uh, yes. They, they are, they're, one of them is a Mormon, a couple of them are... I mean, they're, they're, it's an extraordinarily diverse team, and this is the problem. If, it, if you want to describe it as a problem, it is arguably a problem. When you get diversity... 
one of the side effects of diversity is people have diverse views about other issues that you wanted to see represented in the team, right? Well, I also so you've think got have this your, kind of, totally. lots of different religions and cultures that are represented. Have your religion, have your ideology, but don't don't force it on people. Yeah, but are they not forcing becomes, the rainbow on people as well? Alex? Well, it's sort of forced. They're saying they, they don't have to play, but it should be they don't have to wear the, the jumpers. The jumper, that would right? be the thing, wouldn't because, it? Yeah, and yeah. sometimes I find that people can be so forced with it. I, I used to be a feminist until I saw uh, Ed Miliband and David Cameron wearing those t-shirts saying this is what a feminist looks like. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't look like that. No, that's true. <laughs> I think they'll I'm thank out. you for not wearing I'm out, thank you. Those, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree with you. It should be, there should be the option to wear one of those jerseys if you want to demonstrate yes. solidarity with the gay movement. Great. Yeah, and totally. If you don't, it wouldn't be difficult to determine whether or not you were in the same team. Is that, I don't know. I've kept you out of this. Uh, no, no, I I agree because yeah. the, I think the ironic thing is that they were saying that um, it's to celebrate inclusiveness and diversity. Mm. Well, in order to uh -huh. do that, you need to celebrate the differences and yeah. you have people in your group who, because of their differences, they don't want to wear the jersey. Yeah. Welcome back to Headliners. I'm Simon Evans. I'm joined by Kerry Marks and Diane Spencer. So Wednesday's Telegraph now. Social media is often charged with affecting attention spans, sleep patterns, self-esteem. Time now to add destroying society's infrastructure <laughs> to this, Diane. Yes. Heathrow blames TikTok wheelchair, in quotes, travel hack for airport chaos. Travel hack. Travel hack. So essentially people have been um, doing these TikTok videos where they're nicking wheelchairs and going, mm. oh, look, if you don't wait, want to wait in a line with all these other people, just say that you've got a leg problem. Look, take yes. your shoe off so that mm. you can limp, so you can wheel to the front. But it means that people who genuinely need a wheelchair yeah. are Literally, like, well, there's no wheelchairs and now. And also, it's I imagine it probably holds up the queue that bit longer while they're actually trying to deal with you at the other end. <laughs> while all these selfish so yeah. social media users... You're not just getting to the front of the queue. You're sort of... You become a, a, a an incident in your own right, don't you? I think, if, you, if you're on a wheelchair, presumably you Certainly, have to yes. hobble out of it at the other end. Yeah, but also, they have to, like, keep this up. This is method. Yeah. Like, cause once you've started, yeah. yeah. Yeah, once you've started. And people who aren't used to being in wheelchairs, that's a lot of... Of upper body strength. Do you think that's where Stephen Hawking started and it just it was a prank that got <laughs> that out of control? That is super method. <laughs> that is... What really disturbs me is this was this was something someone put up on TikTok mm. and other people thought, oh, that works. Yeah. But they hadn't thought of that. Yeah. How stupid are people they hadn't... I mean, it's horrible they're doing it. Yes. But it hadn't occurred to them that pretending to be disabled gets you part. things, that people I'm, are going to give you food and carry things. I'm very near the age now where I can get this kind of stuff anyway, you know, if I just kind of... Nice. I would like a little bit of help here, please, and then I get <laughs> to the little electronic train that goes through the... <laughs> Yeah, but you've yes. seen those ones, yeah. I'm going to make a TikTok video where I tell people how they can get things by stealing, and they'll be like, we never... <laughs> what? That's amazing. Get things by paying for them. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, Some of them don't know that one on either. On to but... Wednesday's Metro now. Uh, this is more news to make travel than holidays in general. <laughs> miserable big experience. Spain is positioning itself as new Monaco, by the sound of it. Monaco, I should say. Yes. 
This is Kerry. Oh, OK. Well, basically, the story is that everything in the world is getting worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, families may have to prove they've got £6,000 in their bank for holidays in Spain. British tourists may need to show Spain's border officials that they have €100, uh, Euros, uh, £85 for every day they spend on holiday. Blah, 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 blah. Spanish immigration staff may also ask Brits to prove they have a return ticket or proof of accommodation and uh, have passports to show. Some of that actually is just kind of what you'd expect. He's just going to slow up holidays and make it more difficult to travel. Um, I don't know. Where, I, I really can't tell with this whether it's it's punishment because we've we've left uh, because of uh, yeah, leaving Europe, or whether it's uh, um, or whether it's just um, that they need to do that now. It's a good question. Spain don't seem to be particularly uh, punitive, I don't think. I mean, France, I get the feeling they are really trying to punish us. And, and, and I feel oh, if like France were doing it, we'd know it was yeah, deliberately yeah. I feel uh, Southern offensive. Europe are a bit more... Yeah. I don't know, they may just be... What do you think, Diane? I think that uh, this is part of Spain trying to recoup a lot of tourism costs that they may have lost during COVID. Because yeah. also, with the all-inclusive, they've now limited you to about six drinks. Ah. Yeah, because you can only, I think you can only have three drinks at the lunchtime and three drinks at dinner time because people have been going to all inclusive oh, really? now going, but they've stopped giving us drinks and now yeah. we have to pay for them. Yeah. And now this, uh, when you go in uh, to Spain, they're saying, oh, you need to bring 85 quid with you, which I assume, like, that's a lot to spend in one day, don't you think? Like, well, I think it's back up, though, isn't it? It's like you, you, you yeah. need to have up to £85. I don't think it is that much to spend in one day. I mean, it'd be a lot to spend at the bar, but not if you're going to do some sort of activity during the day. Oh, I was you just going to family out. I don't suppose it was, yeah. <laughs> I remember those bar, the, the free drinks were never worth the... The, uh, the, uh, the tiny little plastic little, beaker the, the, they were delivered yeah, in? <laughs> the business of having some horrible wristband on. Physically, it shouldn't make any difference, though, should The it? law of unintended <laughs> consequences now from Wednesday's Mirror... Uh, Diane, this is um, one of the uh, little side effects of lockdown. Yes, I mean, maybe this is why Spain is curtailing their booze. So alcohol drinking during COVID pandemic could lead to 25,000 booze-related deaths. And I assume that includes climbing up to the top of a statue to place the traffic cone upon its head. <laughs> but this um, is over the next 20 years, isn't it? it they are yeah. kind of making it sound a little bit more alarming than it is. So maybe, like, an extra 1,200 deaths a year in a country mm -hmm. of 60 million? That's a... I mean, that's... You're OK with that, are you? Well, <laughs> kind of that's your limit, is it? Isn't it? It's, getting really? to, it's getting to a rounding error, wouldn't you say? <laughs> How, how many how many people do you think currently die of booze-related deaths in the UK? I have no idea. No, exactly. You've no idea. So you've no idea if this is a serious story or not. I can't tell either. But it just sounds to me like they're trying to make there's a, a little bit of a... I don't know. What do you think? Did you dig into it? Was well, uh, well, I mean, it certainly means that the queue at the bar is going to get shorter as we yeah. go along. <laughs> That's not so bad, hey. Um, essentially, they're saying that because in lockdown, if you drank more, yeah. you've probably not now reduced it, now you're out of lockdown. Right. And they're saying saying that, um, that because of that, it'll then lead to a myriad of other health problems. Yeah. The NHS will collapse. We'll all be living underground. Constant, you know, apocalyptic scenario. I mean, I am, listen, I am fully on board with the whole there are loads of side effects of lockdown. It was a disastrous policy. Yeah. You know, and we're going to be facing it. Doesn't feel to me like an extra thousand deaths a year over the next 20 years from alcohol related, which is a very I like British how you're knocking anyway. this like. It's going you're down and down, isn't it? Down. Yeah. yeah, it was like 25,000. <laughs> He's knocked it down to 12. Yes. We're now down to a grand. I think well, quick, losing five people is nothing at all. But <laughs> we all had that thing, right, where you where you pour yourself lockdown measures at home and then you went to the pub. 
for the first yes! time. I feel like, yeah. you know, what? You call that a whiskey? That's <laughs> <not> a, that's <laughs> but that's largely what they found. They found that they're saying that the people who already had a drinking problem before the pandemic right. got worse, which is not that big a surprise, really, is it? I'm not saying that when you lock people at home with the booze, they're going to smoke more. Well, oddly enough, cr- chronic masturbation went up as well, apparently. <laughs> but That's pretty good for you at our age, actually. You'd be amazed. That actually offsets the risk. I didn't of say it was me. <laughs> this next from The Telegraph sounds like a dystopian series of Jack and Nori set in 2025. OK. Protesters who storm the first drag queen story time for primary school children. This has come over from America, of course. It was uh, yes. drag queens telling stories to children. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, there's a load of mothers who, <laughs> I like the word, they infiltrated a library and <laughs> saying, we're here to protect the children. Women first drag queen story hour. Men dressed as women. <laughs> uh, almost 70 in events Reading. in 20 areas of Britain. Yeah. Uh, this one happened in, where was it, Reading? Reading. In Reading, I believe, yeah. yeah. Uh, about a dozen parents and young children were seen dancing with the drag queens. Oh, my God. In Reading Library, right, against a din of chance outside the venue. Council officials have planned a heavy police presence. So there was only heavy police, not small ones. Um, <laughs> you're allowed child grooming to do. allowing child grooming to take place, they shouted. This is disgusting. Do you know what autogynophilia is? So, in a way, so it's good they because they're go teaching the children library. long words, yeah, yeah. which is uh, really helpful. <laughs> but um, let me ask you this. Just like, I mean, rather than just reading out all the details, what is your kind of view on it? And sincerely, because some people say this is obscene, it's, it's, it's bizarre, it's grooming, it's sexualized, it's a, it's a weird kind of, it's like the blackface of, 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 uh, of trans, you know, this kind of... Oh, that's a different Men dressing, men dressing right. up as, uh, as, as a grotesque exaggerations of femininities. Disca- and other people say, have you never been to a pantomime? This is like part of British culture for the last 200 years, yes. men dressing up as, exactly. as exaggerations. So where, where do you stand on it? Um... Uh, yeah, I, 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 look, we're changing on this, aren't we? And it's whatever we yeah. think now. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything, so I know what everything you say now in 20 years is going to be wrong. Just don't tweet it. People That's will right. hate it. <laughs> yeah. And it will be turned... Uh, drag is... There are people now who are against drag because it's, in a sense, making fun of trans and it's making fun of women yeah. uh, and everything is now exploitative. Well, I don't think anyone is against it because it's making fun of trans. I don't know. There might be a tiny community. I think... Well, no, people... no tra- trans would be uh, men who genuinely... Uh, I feel that right. they are women, right. whereas uh, drag is someone who is, well, could be seen be as mocking that as well. Oh, this is all going on. This is all drag. going on right not, now. What do you think? But I think um, it depends what the stories they're telling are. If the story they're telling is about uh, an ugly duckling who uh, then whipped its penis off and was fine, uh, then <laughs> I think that might be that might be a little bit uncomfortable for the children. <laughs> But if they're just telling Hans, stories... Hans Christian Andersen, imagine. <laughs> I don't know, Diane, what do you think? <laughs> I, um, I had a look at the website of um, the drag story time and I did have an issue with the way that the person was dressed because, mm. and let me just be clear on this, um, if I'm going to go into a school and I'm going to talk to children, I'm not going to wear an evening gown no. with sort of stockings and heels i'm not going to dress like that i'm going to dress appropriately to be with children so i had an issue with that 
Um, there is, you I'm know, there is happy. something to be said for the for the theory that some people are, are you know, part of the the appeal of trans. I'm, I'm sure there are other, you know, aspects to it as well. Is that it's a it's a mode in which you're allowed to be exorbitantly sexy. I don't which, like which that. That's not for be. children. That is no. not no, for I children. No, I agree with you. I agree with no. you. No, yeah. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't go in in that mode if you were an actual woman. And yet, because you're a man dressed as a woman, you can have, you know, the complete license to. Um, yeah. No, well, it's... it's but it all built into story. citizens' arrests and everything, and it sounds like it was a load of fun for the kids. That, that's only worth <laughs> living up a lot more than the, uh, <laughs> the, the naked duckling or whatever it was. <laughs> Wednesday's Times now, and this one is unsurprising. If you've ever had a bicycle nicked, Diane, which I have on at least five occasions over the last ten years. Oh, so um, there are facial recognition cameras that yeah. are being used in a UK real... Sorry, no, this is the oh, uh, unsolved cases, I think. Oh. The, uh, the unsolved cases closed by the police. Oh, good grief, I'm so sorry. And some 90% of bicycle thefts were closed without any suspect ever being identified, but there's a few others as well. Well, isn't that wondrous? So, yeah. um, essentially, uh, police need to solve more crimes, yeah. which you would say is kind of their job. Mm. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I know that there are apparently other things that they do, you know, Operation well, Base Tan. And... Yeah, there is, there is that. But they don't even mm. deter many now either, do no, they? No, they really don't. They're not out there visibly. Well, also, there are there are at least six um, police forces that have been put into special measures right. because they are really woefully inadequate yeah. and they're too busy sort of running around dealing with tweets and things mm. and they're not actually hate incidents. yeah and they're not solving crimes um mm. so they're, they're they're closed and i was interested to see british transport police closed the highest ratio of offenses <laughs> really they got 63 percent of theirs which i would imagine that, that that includes speed cameras right that's probably because it's been completely outsourced to to uh, automation to mechanized you know, like photographic capture and so on. This yeah. is, this is uh, it's pathetic. Anything that actually involves a, a, a miscreant human being, they're absolutely hopeless. Yeah, but and, and the worst performing uh, force was the Metropolitan uh, Police, what a surprise, um, in London, because uh, you see people walking around all the time mm. and they walk around, they actually sort of have little bags, like little bum bags. And I don't know if you've seen it, but the way that people can steal bikes, it happens so fast. Right. Because they have a little kit inside yeah. their little bag and they just sort of whip out their kit and they 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 can cut a bike lock within seconds with something that you can keep in a God, yeah just you can keep it in your jacket uh, you probably could you could have one right now on this your time next know. week there will be a uh, a plague of this and it will come back to you like yes <laughs> you've told them too much yeah. <laughs> the sale of bum bags has gone up maybe we can make a TikTok. And welcome back to Headliners with me, with Kerry Marks and with Diane Spencer. Wednesday's Independent is our first story for the final third. And we have the impending threat of artificial intelligence, Kerry. Which, Another threat. Uh, you've, you've totally wrapped your head around this one. I... Oh, um, this is Google's former head, Eric Schmidt, who is warning us about the, uh, the impact of AI. Mm -hmm. And he's saying it could be worse than uh, or as bad as um, nuclear weapons which uh, doesn't even take into account when we have uh, AI nuclear weapons. Well, I mean, that is the point. Well, it is the point. We're going to have nuclear weapons going, I'm just going out for a little wander for a while. You're like, no, nuclear weapons, stay home. Yeah. We, do, we don't trust but it. But is it the AI? A bit is, of diving. His, his, his concern is that the AI will be given the um, the right to, to make its own decisions about this. We don't want that happening. No, I don't think that's a good no idea No one wants a thinking um, AI bomb. No. Um, but the thing is, uh, sci-fi has been warning about this for decades, hasn't it? You'd think yeah. by now we'd have some contingency plan or some arrangement for a that we'd have some international law 
that all AI needs a big button on it. Yeah. With a remote. <laughs> yeah. So we can shut down anything <laughs> instantly. That's the trouble with international law, though, isn't it? International law is essentially, it's an anarchy on, onto which is kind of like sellotape. Some, some yes, like, totally. It's like a kitchen in which there's nobody monitoring who's actually nicking the food from the fridge. It's a <laughs> passive-aggressive post-it note. But it's also that this is going to happen. Different. So if you like yes. yank the yes, plug right. out, like yes. you won't if know, you know whether you've got the right charge and do it. Or, yeah. yeah. Have and it's, and it's everywhere now. Stand. Go on. You yeah, so essentially what happened is, is they're saying it's as dangerous as nuclear weapons because um, when they were in the nuclear arms race, it was very clear who's developing the nuclear weapons. Right. So you could rig up the other people yes. in another country and say, um, so can you not fire your nuclear weapon at us and we won't fire at you? We've got this system, you've got that system, because yeah. you knew who you were talking to. Yeah. Whereas AI is being developed by all sorts of different companies in all sorts of different countries, so there's no one centralised location. And as soon as a government decides to actually connect their AI yeah. to their defence system, that is the same as sort of now yes. attaching a thinking trigger. Yeah. And also... Whoever programs the thinking AI... Thinking trigger. Have you, you should copyright that phrase. I like a it. Thinking trigger. A thinking trigger. Smart trigger. Oh. <laughs> and whoever um, <laughs> programs the AI, the AI is going to have their sort yeah. of mannerisms and habits. So, like, if my yes. mother made an AI program, every so often it would go, ooh. So Maybe. I mean, I don't know if I find that alarming, because that's... <laughs> not your mother, but just generally the idea that it would be human. But, I mean, what I do find alarming, for instance, these, the, the combination of these two things. One, we know that, in like, uh, 20 years ago, they developed Deep Blue and, and it yeah. made the, the chess guy a few times and gradually they improved it. I, can't, I can never remember his name, not Carly. Kasparov. Kasparov. Gary Kasparov. Eventually, he was beaten soundly by Deep Blue. But it was still working with, like, by studying previous games played by grandmasters and analysing what tactics have won and so on. Then they introduced machine learning, and a machine that learned how to play Go in the morning beat the world Go champion that afternoon. <laughs> and, and, and Go is vastly more complex and has vastly more kind of game theory in it than, than chess does. So if they apply, if they link up this artificial intelligence to the nuclear weapons, it might analyze the entire world structure and go, right, we need to take out Turkey, America and France. Boom. And it's done. Do you know what I mean? Immediately. Yep. We'll kind of go, that is, gives us our best chance of survival. And there are plenty of like, people who've written books about, you know, speak, like the, the Greek war, the Peloponnesian Wars, you know, the Chinese Sun Tzu and all the rest of it. In which you say, like, you know, it, sometimes you have to do these things. You have to strike first and be preemptive. you know. is an actual terrifying reality that yeah. you've just painted. And yeah. just to add to your uh, chess thing, we now have a robot that recently broke a child's finger. Yes. That's right, there was, wasn't there? Yes. <laughs> so the final that's the, if that's not a big enough back. warning at this point, <laughs> isn't it, going? It's like, did you get it yet? Yeah. The Guardian now there <laughs> and the Panopticon is taking form, it seems. This mm. is... Uh, Facial recognition cameras? So this is what I was trying chance. to chat yeah. about in earlier. <laughs> so facial recognition cameras in a UK re retail chain are being challenged by a privacy group. So uh, Southern Cooperative are using facial rec... Oh, I nearly said fecal recognition cameras. That is <laughs> They'll terrible. have those probably as well. Have those but again. Nutritionists probably use yes. them. Uh. Um, so, and they're saying it's very Orwellian because <laughs> you're obviously, like, scanning people's faces. And obviously the shop is saying, yes, but because we scan these people's faces, we can identify who has threatened or been violent to our staff. And we mm. can put their picture up and we can stop them There's coming in. There's always an excuse for it. Ah, yes. It? So is that how you feel? 
I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad these people are are doing this. I'm glad they're trying to stop this from happening. But it's it's a lost battle. Yeah, it's unquestionable. A few years ago, when there was, there was a point where we had uh, such, a, we could see the surveillance building up. There was more and more cameras, thousands of cameras in London. I think uh, one of the busiest cities in the world for cameras. We got, uh, uh, and then we had loads of databases. You remember uh, under Tony Blair, there was constant database of fingerprints of people who hadn't even uh, been, been had committed a crime. Mm. Uh, there were people losing files. There was a file of tens of thousands of children that got lost, uh, which could fall into the wrong hands. Obviously, an, an actual pedophile, if you will, uh, and and. There, there was a point then when I was getting worried about it and I was going, well, well this is, we're, we're heading into a state yeah. and the government actually was saying, if you've nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear, which I thought were the most terrifying yeah, words yeah. to come from That's the government, because right. I fear those words. Well, absolutely. And also it's just a basic human, not just a right, it's, it's something we've evolved to, to, to protect and cherish, isn't it? Our, our degree yes. of privacy. This, funny enough, this next story from the Times, I feel kind of interlocks with this to some extent, is yet another sad indictment of the times we live in. The, uh, the lights are on the floor <laughs> now. Perhaps people are turning their faces down to avoid the facial recognition cameras. I don't know, but... Mm. <laughs> Who's this? You got this one, Kerry, I think? Oh. No, I think so. Is the, it, the traffic oh, lights, on the, traffic oh. lights on the Hong Kong pavements. I don't know anything about that. Zombie phones. You don't have that one. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, Our well, stories are all over it. the place. No, don't worry. Well, I so, can tell you what it is. You know what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, what they're doing, this is a story in the Times, traffic lights um, are being shone onto Hong Kong pavements to help phone zombies yeah. safely cross the road. So you're going to love it. So I'll explain it to you. Okay, okay. So you're one of those people that you see at the traffic lights and you're looking at your phone. And That's instead me. of encouraging the people to look up and check if it's safe to cross, they're literally shining a red light on the floor. Yeah. Right. So you can use your peripheral vision because... What, no. Yes. This is wonderful. And then when it goes sold. blue, you cross <laughs> so you don't have to look up. I you mean, don't have to make your face... I'm not really sold. Facial recognition. I'm really cameras, really sold. That's terrible. I remember years ago there was a thing. You know, you know the mash. What was it called? The mash report that Nish came yeah. That there was a, an online version, a, a sort of like a bit like the Onion. It was very funny, called the Daily Mash, and they had a thing where they said uh, nine out of ten millennials now refer to reality as the blur, <laughs> meaning everything around their screen that they only would look at their screen. Really? But we have now moved to the point where the blur is actually where they you are actually follow sort the of, blur. You know, yeah, you just obey obey chromatic changes in the blur and that's all you can possibly be expected to do in order to to, to know whether it's safe or whatever. I mean, I guess it works. They already have bleeps, don't they, to enable blind people to know that it's safe. That's uh, a bit so different, isn't it, because you are blind. they're blind. Yeah. Well, they have what we well. used to call an excuse <laughs> to not see where they're going. Mark Twain said, the man who does not look, look at the blur has no advantage over the man who cannot look at the blur. <laughs> Male now. And if Tim Burton was the manager of a seaside arcade... This would be one of his amusements, Diane. OK, so I'm just going to put a big warning here for anybody watching this. So uh, if you're an arachnophobic person, OK, so maybe don't look Smart trigger at warning. this bit. Yeah, OK. So we have video? Yeah, I, oh, God, there's a, oh, there's a video and I... Oh. Oh, so oh. scientists transformed dead spiders into necrobots. So that is a, <laughs> an actual <laughs> dead spider a zombie skin. spider. And they inject, they're inject, they're injecting it with um, air. Wow! And that they... spider is not alive. It is. It's entirely doing that through a sort of pneumatic. That doesn't make you feel weird, does it? Oh, that's disgusting! I want to know what that weird red thing is that it picked up. I think it was they... a tomato. And these they're spiders, these spiders, have been going into schools and telling stories to children. <laughs> and it's, it's just wrong. 
I love the word necrobot. Well, yeah, necrobot. because it's, it's a dead husk yeah. of a spider. Yeah. And um, the way that spiders' <laughs> limbs work is that, oh my God, why are they showing you to get out? You'll get over it. No, They could use a, a necrobot lobster then, presumably, or anything with an exoskeleton, right? Oh. Is it off? It's yeah. Oh, um, it's horrible for a spider watching his dead relative come back and start messing around with a brain. wouldn't it? Uh, talking of uh, messing uh, with your brain, male now, there are two types of people in this world, cat people and dog people, um, but only one kind that gets depressed when their favourite pet is in the house, it seems. Um, yeah, the, um, the debate has now uh, reached a new stage of scientists discovering that, um, uh, that expectant mums uh, become more depressed uh, if they have a cat around. Yeah. A dog apparently... Reduces uh, depression, yeah. but a cat um, increases it. Uh, <laughs> I know, this is like, what do scientists really do there? <laughs> why, why do they come up with... But anyway, this could be important. Some of it's to do with Toxoplasma gondii, yeah. uh, which I don't know if that's... Uh, so many, most, a lot of cat owners, I think it's a very high percentage of people in Europe who own cats, have Toxoplasma gondii in their brains. Right. And uh, rats get it. Rats uh, will tend to uh, be attracted to cat urine. Right. When they have this. So, in other words, they yeah. become suicidal. Yeah. Cats uh, then eat them, they catch the, the toxoplasma, then they pass it on to humans. Humans become more uh, risk taking. We don't get to cat urine, though, do we? Is that, is that how it manifests? Um, it makes you get a cat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the cat makes and then you the depressed. cat makes you go, and you go through the whole cycle. I mean, we have, but... we have a cat and a dog because we got a dog initially. The dog right. didn't work out, went to live with my in laws instead, not went to live on a farm, genuinely went to live with the in laws. I felt bad, so we bought the, the kids a cat to sort of, like, make up for it. But then my wife went, no, we're going to have another dog. So now we have, like, it's a classic Evans tactical blunder, yes. so we have two. <laughs> there is no doubt which one of them is more demanding, which one would... If you were feeling exhausted because you've got a new human to look after, and I know how, you know, that... I mean, postpartum depression is no joke. No. But it's, it's it, partly it might be a chemical imbalance, but it's also a perfectly rational response. But which one Honestly, affects your self-esteem, though? But no, but I'm just saying, no, here. it's not about the self-esteem. It's the, the, you know, when you have a new baby, it's just exhausting. It's just constantly demanding your attention the sure, whole time. Sure, the baby is. If you have another thing in the house, the cat, which is yes. doing that as well, that is just going to, oh, my God, I cannot bear this. Whereas the dog is actually kind of, don't worry, I'll take care of the baby for a couple of hours. The dog is more like that. That's a good dog you've got there. Yeah, yeah. And also, Changes like... nappies and stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, um... I really trained it well. There was a dog in Peter Pan in the nursery that was like that, oh. the big the big kind of uh, shaggy dog that looked after the kids, yeah. <laughs> That's a great pub quiz <laughs> question. Yeah, but also with um, with sort of cats and dogs, a dog is always happy to see you, always yes. runs up to you, he's like, oh, you're great, buddy, you're doing really well, and a cat will just look at you with disdain. Absolutely. Well, that's what I said is that the cat, that's what I said about self-esteem, is that the cat reduces people's self-esteem, which is, yeah. I mean, considering what you just said about the dog, but what a cat does really is it expects you to feed it, uh, look after it, stroke it, and then it shows you its bottom, and that's <laughs> yeah. supposed to improve your self-esteem. Got a tea towel you'd like to put in here? A story now from The Telegraph that would have been the biggest story in the world 50 years ago, such as the state of our world now. It's our 17th most important story. <laughs> <laughs> so the existence of the Loch Ness Monster is plausible yeah. after a yeah. fossil discovery. So the University of Bath has found fossils of small pleosaurus... Uh, a ple 
Plesiosaurus. Plesiosaurus, yeah. Plesiosaur. A plesiosaur. There we go. And um, this is most <laughs> likely the relative of the Loch Ness Monster because it's a long-necked aquatic mammal. And originally they said, oh, but there's no way that the Loch Ness Monster could be real because Loch Ness is freshwater. Mm -hmm. As if that was the main uh, objection yes. they had to overcome. <laughs> it wouldn't be in this kind of water, <laughs> it would it? It wouldn't be this far north. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's too cold. It's too cold. Bigfoot doesn't like heat. So it turns out there are freshwater plesiosaurs. <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah, so they they've um, they were. fabulous yeah. fossils. Well, there are. But um, it would <laughs> still, so it still has like, a food source to establish and so on in, in, in a lot. Is that seem Yeah, because yeah. I assume that, you know, if you're sort of about nine, nine foot tall, you're going to want to eat a lot. Yeah. So well, maybe it will reinvigorate the Scottish tourist industry. That and the, the fact that you have to show your birth certificate to get into Spain now. Whatever. <laughs> Wednesday's Guardian now and uh, French and suppleness, two words you often pair with one another. There are new words in the French dictionary which shows how uh, the great suppleness of language. I don't know why new words show a great suppleness of language, no. because I thought we've always had new words. But I don't think there's, oh, wow, we've suddenly realised that language is very supple. That was supple. Uh, it's and quite the right word. We need a new word for it ironically <laughs> and many of them have been influenced by uh by, by covid um right uh, and uh, by by pan pandemic and climate crisis which is also rather unsurprising considering the big things that have been going on in the last few years well, been, give us a few uh, climate words. crisis and pandemic so we've got a few words like covid a yeah. Uh, which means infected with coronavirus. Can we have a bit if more? You, I hope you worked out. No, you can't. Covid. No, you can't. You will have the English Just version of this. Covid. All right, you do this one then. Um, Conf eco anxiety. Oh, eco anxiety. <laughs> eco anxiety. <laughs> I feel like I'm making fun of French people I like rather than verdissement d'image. Yeah. See that one? That greenwashing. Greenwashing, which is greenwashing. a useful one. My favourite was that. I, I'm going to say it in an Italian way because I prefer it in an yeah. Italian way. Vaccino drome. Vaccinodrome for a vaccination centre. And a, a, one which is much used in France in recent weeks is apparently megafur, but I don't know what that means. Was it like a massive fire? Massive fail? It's a, there's plastic group, which is a blue crust of plastic formed on coastal rocks. Some of these are quite intriguing, but anyway, it sounds like the French are as overwhelmed. And most of them have come from English as well, 80% of them. Yeah. So really, we win, don't we? It's, these are our words. It's a constant <laughs> flow, and it absolutely drives them insane, which I love. You know, they've, they tried bitterly to fight against the, we the weekend for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is, steak frit, we all know what they're, where the word yeah, came yes. from, really. <laughs> anyway, that's all we have time for. Thank you very much, my guests. Kerry and Diane, you've been an absolute joy. Tomorrow night, uh, new presenter Andrew Doyle. He has Steve N. Allen and someone else. We don't know yet who the other one's going to be. Exciting. <laughs> 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 it's partly this kind of excitement that keeps the programme so watchable. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed our breakdown of Wednesday morning's papers. See you very soon. All the best. Good night. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.